The way it is being taught is once you die, once judgment, and that's all, and that's all. Is that okay? Right. But listen and listen very closely. Um, the New Kingdom says, as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this judgment. Now, I want you to see something before I go on to teach tonight. When you see the word so, do you find so in your Bible? Hmm? Which one is that? That is, uh, okay, the good news. The good news. What do you find in verse 28? Verse 28. Good news says what? In the same. In the same manner. In the same manner. Okay. It's okay. Alright, any other translation? So, any other translation? Just the word so is what I'm looking for. Now, anytime normally when you're writing and you see so, so is what? Uh, a conjunction. Am I right? Okay. Conjunction. That is so. In other words, it's connecting two things. Do you agree with me? So, the Bible says, as it is appointed for men once to die, after this the judgment, so Christ. Did you get that? In other words, what was appointed for men, Christ partook of it. So it's not dealing with judgment to come tomorrow in that sense. Now, get to Hebrews, um, Hebrews 2. Look at, it. Look at those two things together. Hebrews 2. Um, Hebrews 2. Okay. Hebrews 2. Are you there? Let's look at verse 14. In so much then as the children have partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who have the power of death. That is what? The devil. Is that okay? It's a brother. In other words, he partook of flesh and blood. And that also means he has to die because he's going to be flesh and blood. Just like his brothers were flesh and blood. Is that okay? So when the Bible says it's appointed unto man wants to die. After the, the judgment. So Christ. The story is about Christ. It's not necessarily about men who have died and are facing judgment in eternity. Are you catching the picture now? I just want you to see that verse. Because it's very, very important. Little words, little words, little, little words like that is what opened up the whole meaning of passages to us. So when it says, so Christ is a connection, it's a conjunction, is dealing with what happens to every man not happening to Christ because he partook of flesh and blood. Is that okay? Right. I just try to clear that so that you don't get confused about what I'm about to say when I use the word second Passover. Now, Turn with me to the book of um, 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Christ is our Passover. Am I correct? Look at it. 2 Corinthians, is it there? Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Am I correct? Okay, verse number 7. Therefore, purge out the old living that you may be a new lamp, since you have truly, truly, truly our living. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was crucified for us. Is that okay? Christ, our Passover, was crucified for us. Now, watch this. Remember, there are three feasts in Israel. Huh? Passover, 
Pentecost or are you there? And what? Okay. Tabana, whatever is that, you can correct yourself. Anyhow, anyhow. Okay, tabernacles. Is that okay? These are the major three feasts in Israel. You can look at Deuteronomy 16 and verse 16, and you find those three feasts there. Is that all right? Hallelujah. So here, in these three feasts, the first one is the feast of Passover, and that one is dealing with leaving Egypt, leaving Egypt, which is a type of the war. Huh? Remember, you are living in Egypt. Is that okay? It's a type of the wall. It's a type of you living the wall. Hallelujah. Are you listening? Okay. So, the Romanian talks about the three feasts. And so, when you experience the feast of Passover, you are living the wall. And that is why you find that in, in Exodus 12, you're talking about the lamb. Okay? The land that was slain. Remember that? Okay. The land that was slain was to enable us to leave Egypt and get into God, if you will, come into the Father. Exodus 12. Fine. Now, if you understand that, it becomes a little bit simple. So, the passage from Egypt into God or into the kingdom is Christ, which is the Passover. So when you talk about, for instance, you can look at Colossians 1 and verse 13 down to 14. We read that a few weeks ago. You're going to find that the Bible says we've been passed or we translated from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Is that okay? So you are being carried from the world into another realm of existence. So there's a Passover that you experience. So when you come into the Lord... You come into the place of experiencing your Passover. You are moving from the world into God through the sacrifice of Jesus. Hallelujah. Are you following it? Understand what I'm saying? So Christ is our Passover lamb. In other words, for you to be saved, you have to experience Christ. That's the implication now. The blood of sacrifice. Are you there? Come on, am I talking now? Okay, pay good attention please. I want you to catch here because it's very important. Like I said before, we have to declare the whole counsel of God. We don't have to be intimidated by what man thinks, what man feels. If this is God's mind, then it is God's mind. And then, like we said before, there's this common feeling and teaching and belief system that says, once you don't have him now, it is finished. You can't have him anymore. The next place for you is hell. You know that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> You're keeping quiet because you want to see something you've never seen before. Okay. Now, I want to give you two scriptures to say what I'm about to say. Amen. Okay, turn with me to the book of um, the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 9. Let's get down to Numbers chapter 9. Perhaps we'll read from verse 1. <sighs> Hallelujah. Are we there in Numbers? Are we together? Okay. 
me start reading from verse 9. From verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. In the first month of the second year, after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Watch this, they've come out of the land of Egypt already. Is that okay? It means they've experienced the Passover. Let the children of Israel keep the Passover as its appointed time. Of the fourteenth day of this month, at twilight, you shall keep it as its appointed time. According to all its rites and ceremonies, you shall keep it. So Moses told the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the first month, at twilight, in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So the children of Israel did. Are you following? Now there were certain men, begin to follow this, who were defiled by human corpse, so they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron on that day. And these men said to him, We became defiled by a human corpse. Why are we why are we kept from presenting the offering of the Lord as appointed time among the children of Israel? And Moses said to them, Son, see that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Hallelujah. Amen. Moses is a wise apostle. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? I've already told you that, that if you really want to talk about apostolic mentality, you study the life of Moses, and then you study the life of Jesus. And then the third person I normally brings alongside is Apostle Paul. Huh? Because Hebrew 3 tells us of Moses being the apostle of the first church and then Jesus being the apostle of the second church. Are you there with me? Hello? Okay, now. Now, get the mentality that is my heart. What was what, he trying to do here? Here, it's not because there are no laws to guide what he intends to do, but here, he has to get the mind of God for the situation. Are you there? He said, you just keep him, let me go to the Lord. To know what he will say concerning you. This is not a place for just carrying the laws and whipping people. And condemning them and finishing them. What God has in mind for the individual is very important. As a leader, as an apostle, or whoever he's supposed to be. This is key. Are you still there with me? Right. So he said... Now, remember we have the same story, I think still in the book of Numbers, at the 30 or thereabout, where a man went to cut firewood on the Sabbath. Remember, we have a similar story. And Moses said, just keep him, let me go to the Lord again and find out what the Lord will have me do. Very important, you must know what God will have you do. Amen? And Moses said to them, stand still that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Then the Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If any one of you or your posterity is unclean because of a corpse or is far away on the journey, he may still keep the Lord's Sabbath. How? Did you call that the God of second chance? <laughs> Am I talking? Look at verse 9. Very important. Eh? So we call this God of Seconchance? Oh, what am I doing tonight? Hallelujah. Huh? Are you there with me? Did you see that? He may stick in the Sabbath. He will defile. You know the word? When, 
when the first group of people got into it, something happened to him. He couldn't get into it. Am I talking now? But God made an opportunity for them to still come to keep the Passover. By implication, a group of people have experienced the Passover, which is Christ. These people could not experience the Passover, but God said he got another chance to do it. Does it make sense to you? Am I talking? Right. Am I saying don't get Christ now? Is that what I'm saying? Because there's another chance for you? Is that what I'm saying? But the word of God is real. We can bend it. We can make it to suit our belief system. We've got to preach it exactly the way it is. So, remember, Christ is our Passover. That means some people have come to experience Christ and this group of people, they were still brethren, but they were defiled by cops. In other words, they were partaking of the war. Deadness. Let the dead bury the dead. Hmm? Are you are you following what I'm saying? Right. They were partaking of the world. They were partaking of the things that are not. In fact, they were simply unclean. So they cannot experience the Passover by implication. They cannot partake of the lamb. In other words, they can chew the, the meat. Remember, the Lord said, none of the bones shall be left. Every bone of all those lamb in, in Egypt must be eaten up. They couldn't eat. But the Lord said, they have another opportunity to do that. And now verse 11 says, In the day of the second month at twilight, they may keep it, they shall eat it with a living bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until morning, nor break one of his bones. According to all ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. But the man who is unclean and is not on the journey and ceased to keep the Passover, that same person shall be cut off from among his people because he did not bring the offering of the Lord at his appointed time that man shall bear his sin. And if a stranger dwells among you and will keep the lost Passover, he must do according to the right of the Passover and according to the ceremony. He shall have one ordinance, both for stranger and the native of the land. And so on and so forth. Now the key thing I want to make you understand is that key point. The man that is defiled have the opportunity of partaking of the Passover. Now let me give you a typical example of a man that demonstrated this. Turn with me to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 30. Tell you this is going to be a little bit deep for you. But all the same. You can have it. 2 Chronicles and chapter 30. Um, let me start reading from verse number 13. Hallelujah. Are you there? Okay. Now, many people were very great assembly gathered at Jerusalem to keep the feast of living bread. What feast is that? Passover. Hallelujah. Bread in the second month. They arose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem. And they took away all the incense and cast them into the broken kindred. Then they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the fourteenth day of the second month. The priests and the Levites were ashamed and sanctified themselves and brought the burnt offerings to the house of the Lord. They stood in their place according to their custom, according to the law of Moses, the man of God. The priests sprinkled the blood, received the lamp of the Levites. But there were many in the assembly who had not sanctified themselves. 
her. Therefore the Levites had charge of the slaughter of the Passover lambs for everyone who was not clean to sanctify them to the Lord. Begin to follow the story. Are you there? Verse number 18. For a multitude of the people, many from Ephraim, Manasseh, Isaac, and Zebulun, had not cleaned themselves. Yet they ate the Passover, contrary to what was written. But Ezekiel prayed for them, saying, May the good Lord provide atonement for everyone. Say amen. Who prepares what? His heart to seek God, the Lord God of his father. Though he is not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. And the Lord listened to Ezekiah and healed the people. So the children of Israel who were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of a living bread seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praising the Lord day by day singing to the Lord accompanied by loud instruments. What happened? Second Chronicles 30. 13, 13 to 21. Huh? The unclean, the unclean ate, but we are what prayed for by Hezekiah. And the Lord had. Hmm? The Lord had and did what? And healed them. Amen? Okay. Now, watch this. These guys were not sanctified. They were not clean. By implication, they were not qualified to partake of the land. But the Bible says, Hezekiah prayed and God had and healed the same people that were not qualified to eat of the Passover. Remember what we find here. God said, there was a group of people that did not partake because they weren't clean. But God said, you go and do it. Are you there with me? And here is the second people that did not because they weren't clean. In fact, they did, but they weren't clean. In other words, they were not Yeah, you got in the message. Huh? Man, so, you come to the place and the Bible says, Hezekiah prayed for them and God healed them. I want to make a statement here. It doesn't yet matter who is where he or she is. God is going to get everyone. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus is for all men. <laughs> he who will not partake now, you will partake of it. There is an atonement. There is a blood that is crying not for vengeance but for mercy. Like Hezekiah was. These people were not qualified to eat. In other words, they were supposed to be cut off. Because if you don't eat, you are cut off. Do you understand that? But Hezekiah prayed even for these people who were supposed to be cut off. And they were brought in at the same time. Same thing we find in the book of Noah chapter 9. The best thing I can tell you about all of this is the lake of fire. Hallelujah. Maybe we are going to be looking at first death, second death. Because like you find in the book of Romans, I mean Revelation chapter 20, it talks about false resurrection. So where did you rise from? If there's a false resurrection, then there must be a second resurrection. And if there's a false resurrection, that means there was a false death. Because lake of fire is second death. So what was false death? 
it is from the first death that the first people rose from. And so you find a first death and a second death, and there have to be a first resurrection and a second resurrection. So the man that did not partake of the first resurrection definitely will partake of the second death and then get into what? Second resurrection, if you will. Because the blood is for all men. Not just some people. Not just some group of people called Christians. No. The blood is for the whole world. Including Muslims. Including Hare Krishna people. Hindus. Buddhists. You know, Igbe people. The locals. The blood is for all of them. They are now touching that which is defiled. But there is a provision for them. Are you still there? Any man who knows the mind of God can come to preach the truth that we are preaching. Jesus died. But the whole world doesn't know now. That is why what we tell them is good news. Good news is what you are looking for. Or you think you cannot pay for have been paid for by your brother. Like we find in the Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. So because the brethren have flesh and blood, so he himself partook of flesh and blood. He's sharing our infirmities. He's sharing our weaknesses. And so he can. Now don't, don't you forget that. The Bible says the blood of Jesus speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. What does the blood of Abel say? Vengeance. Uh -huh. The same spirit that Elijah had. I am the only one left in Israel. And God said, no. I've got so many others. Right? And I made them not to bow. I did it. I preserved them. By implication, those who couldn't have stopped buying to bow without God doing it behind the scene. It wasn't their choice. It was God's workings. That is why your salvation is not something you have. To, not because you think you can be saved. That is why you are saved. You are saved because God had mercy on you. Can I show you that scripture? Romans chapter number one. Romans two. Let me see. So it's not something that's well. I sign up for it. Romans two. Let me show you how you come to be saved. All those prophets that were never going to bow to bow, God kept them. Amen? Somebody was speaking to me recently. I said, brother, I don't have a word for you. When it comes to that, you like and blame Abraham, blame Sarah, whatever you want to, because of a guy. So that is none of my business. Except you need to find out for the mind of God. The same Sarah, for instance, Abimelech could stop, God could stop Abimelech from having anything to do with Sarah. That same God could have been able to stop Abraham from going into Hagar. It's not a dead God. Neither did he because he allowed that and he said, oh, I won't do this again. Then he regretted or repented. No. Because Galatians foretells us precisely that Hagar speaks of Jerusalem, which now is, which is Mount Sinai. What is my sign? The law. So without Ishmael, there is no law. And where there is no law, there is no Old Testament. So the two testaments were represented by 
Ishmael and Isaac. God is not blind and is not a fool. He doesn't make mistakes. From the beginning, he knows what he's going to achieve. Is anybody catching this? So if you like blame all the hell on Abraham, you curse him. And some of those times you speak this thing, that's why you suffer just like the friends of Job have to suffer some things on you, Job pray for them, and now you don't have Abraham to pray for you. <laughs> because you are saying things that are too big for you. You do not understand how God allowed Abraham to do what he did. He has a reason. And by the way, I've told you here times with that number, Abraham didn't give birth to Isaac, I mean to Ishmael. It was Abraham that gave birth to Ishmael. Hmm? Is that okay? Who gave birth to Ishmael? Abraham. Not Abraham. Abraham gave birth to Isaac. Abraham gave birth to Ishmael. So when you talk, know who you are talking about. You blaming people, you don't understand the scriptures, you don't know what God is doing. Huh? Hallelujah. Are you see here? It's good to read the book and you know the mind of God. That's the key thing. So don't always think your salvation because of your own strength and power, you're deceiving yourself. And so when you do that, you condemn other people to hellfire for eternity, all of those kind of stuff. You call it eternal life. Eternal life is not the same thing as eternity. I'm sure you know that. Do you know that? Eternal life is a person. Huh? Right. Okay, let me show you how you got saved. Romans 2. Romans 2. Now, but let me show you a little bit up there so that you can understand a little bit of what I'm about to say. Romans chapter 1. I'm going to read a couple of passages here, scriptures. Okay, now, 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 now. Where do I start from now? Because it's very important. Okay. Mm. Let me start with verse 18. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Then we'll get on to chapter 2. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who suppress the truth in righteousness. Amen. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Not that one man does not have an excuse. God is God. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Look at the stars on the moon, you know that there is God. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. But became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish heart were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an, incorrupt, into an image made like corruptible man, and bells and four-footed animals and creeping things. I do worship, if you will. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the loss of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Amen. God gave them up means God removed the restraint. Are you still there with me? Let me explain something here. People who sin and cannot repent. Two factors. Not because the devil, especially those who have known God. 
try to change them, they don't change. It's because they know God, but they refuse to retain the knowledge of God in their heart. And God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the things that are not lawful. That's why so many people are very heady. You can't make them repent. Are you listening to me? God has given them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not lawful. Alright. Go ahead. Who exchanged the truth of God for, for the lies and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. And that's why he call homosexuality. This one is lesbianism. Is that okay? Likewise also the men living the natural use of the women born in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. They receiving themselves. Penalty of the error which was due. I remember when I was in South Africa and then there was this lady that were driving and a friend of mine picked her and she was crying and they said, what? no, he phoned. And they said, oh, my friend just died yesterday. And so what happened? So he died of AIDS. So how did it come to be? All this while, that lady knew that this guy was a homosexual. He knew. And then the question my friend asks is, couldn't you have helped him to come out of that? Well, you know that that was his own lifestyle. Hallelujah. Now, what I'm saying is, they receive the penalty that is due them in themselves. The penalty is not eternal hell. Penalty is you being cut off from the natural life. Listen. The wages of sin is what? Not hell. Very simple definition. You go and write an example. What is the wages of sin? Say hell. You fail. Wages of sin is what? Death. Death is death. It's not hell. Bible didn't say so. We interpret that because of what we want to teach. Sin leads to death. You first die spiritually, then you die naturally. That is the wages of sin. Huh? In fact, in the Old Testament, people will have to execute it by stoning you to death. Simple. There was no provision made. Huh? God didn't tell Moses, those who you stone to death will go to hell or anywhere. He didn't tell. Stone them to death. Simple. The wages of sin remains dead. That's what he's saying here. Receiving themselves the penalty of their error which was due. Once it is due, you receive it. You are not waiting. It's due. <laughs> Alright. Verse 20. Uh, so anybody like can go on sinning, you receive what is due. Doesn't You receive it. It's not a question. Verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in the knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil mindlessness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, in undesigning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of what? Hell. Okay. 
They are deserving of hell. You see what they deserve? Not only to the same, but also who approve of those who practice them. So sometimes you join yourself to a certain group of people and you become partaker of what is due them. Because you approve their conduct. Now, but what I'm pointing out is this. Verse chapter 2 now. Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are, who judge. For in whatever you judge, another you condemn yourself. For you will judge, practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth. Against those who practice such things. Or do you think this, O man? You who judge, who think is very righteous? Those practicing such things and doing the same thing will escape the judgment of God? Or, look at verse 4. Do you despise the riches of his goodness? Forbearance, long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God does what? Leads you to repentance. It's not your strength. Huh? The goodness of God leads you to what? To repentance. So, you may be right in condemning all these people in chapter 1. You are very right. But, understand something. That's what Paul is trying to say. Don't ignore one simple factor. That the fact that you are not doing those things is not by your own desire or thoughts. It's God's goodness that leads you to what? To repentance. It leads you to repentance. That is why you should thank him. You appreciate him because you are saved. Not because you dearly wanted to be saved. But he dropped something in your heart. That drove you towards him. And he received you to himself. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. Therefore. Why do we think. After he has led you to repentance. He stopped. God's goodness finished because you are saved, isn't it? All other people can't be saved because God's goodness is finished. <laughs> you see what I mean now? Is anybody there? Look at those things. They talk about his goodness, talk about his forbearance, talk about his long suffering, and all of these things put together leads you to what? To repentance. That is something you must understand. Therefore, that's why I'm talking about those of you who judge. You condemn people. Right. Understand one thing. While you condemn, remember, it is his love, his goodness, his mercy that leads you to what? To repentance. Not because you want to. Not because you have the ability to. No. It is mercy. It is judgment. I mean, it is his own long suffering that leads you to what? To repentance. Are you following that? And that is what anchored up to what we call the second Passover. Are you seeing the picture now? Hello. That's what takes you to the second Passover now. Because if you have come out, you've got the first Passover, then you've got your repentance. But others surely will. Second Passover. Are you getting the picture now? So, it is not your position to condemn them. Because certainly they will come in. Amen. You know, somebody was asking me a question about. Uh, every one of you should have known the by now, but he's talking about the dead in Christ arise first. I'm sure you know what that means. The dead in Christ arise first. 
speaks about those who believe in the Lord. Those are those who are partaking of the first resurrection. But that is not the end. Then the Christ arrives from the dead are account, then the end. Three classes of people. Hallelujah. So it's good to see, listen. Somebody came to me yesterday, he was talking in the office, a pastor, and I said, you can't be a pastor without knowing the mind of the one you are working for, because the Bible says we are co-laborers with Christ. For you to be a true minister of the gospel, you have to know what God has in mind. The ultimate, you have to know. That's what makes you a true minister. Not the shouting and the shouting and the talking and all of that, and you know, theological notebooks and some of those things. No. Degree is not withstanding. You must know the mind of the one you are working for. Right? And he said, I would like us to have a minister's conference. So I want to put up a meeting. I want you to come and talk to ministers. I said, fine. You're doing a good job. It's good to talk to ministers and talk to people. Right? Because we need to change our mindset. To know the mind of God. And do that which is His will. That's why even some of our prayers cannot be answered. I told you that the other time. If you pray according to His will, not if you pray according to what you want. Hallelujah. So here we find that the goodness of God leads some of us to repentance. That is why we can't stand too strong to condemn people. Because His goodness does not end because we have repented. The goodness is still there. He led me today. He will lead some other person tomorrow. Amen. Nothing to be proud about. And Paul, Jeremiah will say something. Say, if there is anything to boast about, let the man boast that he knows me. That's all. Not because of who you are. What you, just be proud of the fact. Boast, you want to boast? Boast that you know me. And knowing me is not. You must understand what it means to know. How do you know the Lord? Know his name? And shall die, shall make a disky. Huh? She can <laughs> is that what makes you know the Lord? No. No. Remember. Okay. Signs and wonders, miracles, tongues, visions, prophecies. Is that what makes you know the Lord? No. Because Jesus said, on the last day you will come and say, Lord, with these signs and wonders in your name. But he will say, go away from me, you workers of iniquity. For what? I knew you not. In other words, you have to know the Lord, and the Lord will have to know you. So what does that mean? You can think about Adam and Eve to understand the very principle of the word no. The Bible says Adam knew Eve and he brought forth Cain. To know means a relationship, a communion. So when the Bible says if any man wants to boast, let him boast of the fact that he knows me, that means there's a relationship that he has with me. That's the key thing. He has a good relationship with me. I can commune with him. He knows my mind. He understands my intents. He knows my thoughts. Hallelujah. Are you still there? So I want you to call this tonight. That the Lord has made a provision for a second Passover. The good news I have for you in this regard is this. It's not for you to be stupid because you know there's a second Passover. Huh? But to be strong so that you can become, let me use a word that you will understand better, a lecturer 
in the school of God of those who fail their exams. Can you say an amen to that? The fact that you have him now shows you grow to the point where you become the one to teach those people to come in at the end. You will be the one to present the Passover lamb. See what we find in the book of Second Chronicles, the Levites have to prepare the Passover lamb for the people to eat. And that's the priesthood. So the first crop of believers who come to the place where they prepare the lamb for the rest of the community who are defied to do what? To eat. That is where you are going to. And it's a privilege. That's why you can't afford to fool yourself because you feel there's a second Passover. No. We shouldn't be thinking about going to eat a second Passover. We should be thinking of preparing the second Passover for those who cannot partake of the first Passover, if you will. That is our responsibility. I want you to see that. The Bible said the Levites, in Chronicles, the Levites prepared the lamb for the people because they were defied, they were not sanctified for them to eat. That is the priesthood. The crop of people that God is raising today will be the people that will present the Christ truly and truly to the rest of humanity. And that is an opportunity, that's a privilege, that's a responsibility. We can play with, we can toy with. I don't need to tell you not to sin. If you know what you want. Did you hear me? It's not my business, it's not my responsibility. At least for the now. You want to sing? Go on singing. Like you find the book of Revelation. See, that is sin, let it sing. He that is faithful, let it be faithful. Whatever you want, go ahead. John said that. <laughs> because there is a due reward for everything you do. So you want to be faithful to the Lord and be faithful because there is a reward as well. Hallelujah. There is a second Passover. And there are people that are going to present the lamb. A crop of priests. Whom I believe the world have not even known. Only God knows who they are. But when the time comes, God will cause them to show forth. Going out there to present the lamb to creation. Because he died for all humanity. He died for all creation. And all creation must come back to him. Maybe I'll show you something. Sometime, maybe next week, as the case may be. As the case may be. Huh? Now, let me just show you before I close. It's fine, but sorry. Okay. Revelation 11, let me just show you that I close. It's important, but I'm going to do a full study on that for you to see. You need to understand these little words in the Greek. Uh, look at Romans 11, look at verse 36. The Bible says, for of him, or out of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever and ever. Eh? What do you find in that translation? Anything else? Huh? Huh? Did you see anything there? Uh-huh. Go ahead. How many things do you see there? Come on. Uh-huh. Unto him. Okay. So you see, everything came out of Christ. Are you getting that? Everything is going through Christ. 
and going into Christ. Haha. <laughs> that is that's it. Did you get that? Are you following what I'm saying now? When we came out, we lost our identity. And we're going through him to come in there. To receive our identity. Now, it's not just a few that came out. All came out. And he said, from him, through him, and into him are what? All things. I'll teach you fully on that. There are simple Greek words you need to understand. E-N and on and on. You need to understand them. Hallelujah. So what am I trying to say? There's a second Passover. Is that okay? Is that okay? Let's understand that when men are raving on the television, shouting and making all of that, fine. That is the best they can understand from the scriptures, but if they take time to study, they will know that it's good beyond that. God is not shutting the door of goodness to the rest of creation because you have repented. Not at all. God bless you. 